Hey guys, thank you for checking out the Brave Way Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Miller. I know a long time, no talk. Uh, this one that I did is talking about like film study and things to pick up off a of film. Uh, whenever I did it, I ended up talking about myself a little bit too much, but I think it could help you out, guys, out realizing what I do when I'm looking at film in a combat sport, sort of space. Obviously, watching film is not re uh, related just to combat, so I mean combat sports, so you could probably use some of these uh, things um, into stick and ball sports as well. Um, break this up early. I got an upcoming uh, fight. Um, it's not been officially announced yet what my opponent is and things like that. Um, but it should be March 6th. I should be making a walk again. Um, you know, COVID has made me take two years off away from the cage. Uh, well, essentially, because uh, had to have a surgery and stuff like that. Unimportant. But, so yeah, so. Check out a pod, like, comment, subscribe. Um, whenever I can uh, announce my official opponent, it will be out there for you all to see. So, hope you enjoy the pod. Like I said in the intro, we'll be going over film study and why film study is important. Uh, I did this in... A podcast before it's one of my first podcasts I did uh, was talking about being an up-and-comer amateur athlete um, but I didn't really cover on it a bunch and then plus it's always worth uh, bringing it up I'm in camp myself so there's different things I want to tell people who are in camp um, looking to compete in various different things uh, especially with the new year coming around it's a great time to put this out here to set the tone for the entire year I know 2020 mess up a lot of competitions for people but this may help you so what you want to do when it comes to film study and this goes the same for um, not just mixed martial arts but you know different sports of course like football basketball whatever but this is we're going to talk about combat sports here uh, but like boxing um, boxing judo jiu-jitsu wrestling um, and of course, like I already said, mixed martial arts. Uh, it's because you're trying to figure out tendencies that your opponent does. Like I did say on that previous podcast, um, I'll reiterate it here for the sake of time for you guys finally listening to it and everything is, even if you have a opponent that this is their debut, you can still learn a lot from even watching some of their teammates that have competed um if they're around the same weight class uh that you have i mean that you're competing in uh because a lot of times it's like you guys are practicing the same thing or even if not you learn a lot from the schools so what do you mean by that when i was wrestling in high school we knew schools that were and i know these some of this language is going to be uh, different from you all you uh or not used to the terminology anyway uh, but like we knew these are tilt schools, these are cradle schools, far side or near side. These schools run a lot of uh, different half variations, a spiral ride, power half, etc. Um, they like, this school likes to do outside singles. The school likes to tie up for different um, type of Greco throws, double leg school, etc., etc. 
Now, of course, the cream of the crop of the schools going to mix a lot of things up. But the idea is, you know, especially like even if you knew the coaches from that school, what they'd like to teach. So if you realize you was going against a freshman wrestler, for example, uh, they haven't had that many years of wrestling probably. So they were only going to be doing a lot of the techniques that were familiar to them that it was taught in the room and they don't have anything else uh, to go by or go with. Um, same thing uh, for like Muay Thai, for example. If you're going against an opponent that, uh, let's say this is an MMA fight, right? And you're going against an opponent who comes from Muay Thai school, you can obviously know they're going to have some traps to catch you in the striking realm or whatever. But if you look at that they don't teach anything on the ground, of course, with Muay Thai, there's are different clinch breaks and clinch things that they do. But if they're not teaching you how to do stuff to get off the ground, you may know in your mind, hey, this guy might beat me in the striking realm, but if I could take them down, I'll have greater success. Things like that is what you're trying to look for. Uh, and that's if you don't know who your opponent is. We are in the world now to where we can go to YouTube and Facebook to find uh, your opponent's um, videos competition-wise. Why is this kind of important? Uh, by, and I guess I'm saying it like this. You can have a person that competes in mixed martial arts and does uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments, for example, like myself, right? So what does that let you know? You can go to the Muay Thai area and, of course, doing stuff in the gi makes things a little bit different versus in no gi. But we're not going to really worry about that right now. But you can go to watch mixed martial arts fighting myself. See how I'm doing things with the hands, the feet, whatever. How I'm clinching there. And then you can also see how I'm just doing stuff in a straight-up grappling aspect. Once again, the reason why it's relevant to look at it if you notice, oh, when he's grappling, because a lot of people be like, oh, they come from a BJJ school, and that means they do a lot of geese, like grips with the gi, takedowns with the gi. Then you can see your opponent be like, oh, he doesn't actually do a lot of gripping when he go for a takedown. He does traditional wrestling with the takedowns. And when he's on the ground, it was like, oh, he's not doing a lot of um, chokes or holds with the gi. He's going more armbar, kimura, guillotine, things like that. So then you realize, okay, the guy that I'm competing against is already used to not using certain things um, that would be an advantage of like in the gi thing. So we, it's something that we have to know about and worry about. Same thing looking at has how he escapes or she escapes. You'll be able to figure a lot of that out. Uh, but so doing things like this right I had an opponent and I'll give you my case of uh, film study I'm doing it now because I have an upcoming uh, event on March 6th but uh, for MMA fight so I'm doing it again but I've done it over the years over people I think might be my potential opponents things like that but right now I have um, well in the past I knew an opponent uh, he had competed on a couple different um, super match cards in jiu-jitsu 
And I was like, well, let me see what this guy does. And then so I noticed that he set up a uh, a takedown that also turns into a submission on each of his opponents. And when he's been able to execute that, it's not saying that that's the only thing he had, but from the takedown round, that looked like that's his, his go-to. When he wasn't able to get that, fights were able to go a, a certain way or whatever. If I did not do my due diligence and look up what my opponent likes to do, because it's it's important of like, like handedness, right? I knew that he always grabbed the collars the same way with his right hand setting up this, um, overall he's setting up this thing, a baseball bat chug, which you guys have, that's not really important, but I would always notice he would always lead with his right hand first and he wouldn't do the things you traditionally do by making a person think about four or five different things before you do it. He would do it, grab, grab the grip with the right hand he needed to first. And then as soon as, cause he's a taller guy, as soon as you try to like close into him or whatever to break his grip, he'd grab the other grip with his left hand and then he'd throw it. I was able to prepare for this um, in training and so he wasn't able to execute it and I was able to uh, uh, win the match against him in overtime. Now that just really, and like if you had success with a lot of these moves, that throws them off of thinking about what they'll be able to do for the next step. That's the reason why. It's important to do that. And then in Miss Martial Arts aspect, I had an opponent. Ended up not going my way, but he did do exactly what I thought he would do when he was taller than me, but he jabbed up, which is, is kind of hard to explain because you're not looking at me as I'm doing it. But instead of throwing his, his jab in a linear motion straight at me, he would throw it like down, like from his hip and then up, even though his hands were already at his face. Um, that could kind of give you a little bit more visualization. And then that was like, well, if he has that, or when he's getting ready to throw the jab, I should be able to J-step off and throw right hand. I ended up trying to do something else. And like I said, it ain't going my way. But I knew what was coming. Uh, my upcoming opponent that I cannot mention right now because things change and things like that. Good thing for me is he's had film uh uh, for a little bit over five, six years now. So I'm able to look at how he reacts and how he changes, how his body has changed. Because that's a thing though too, right? You realize that somebody gets in better shape or worse shape, they're able to do certain techniques that they weren't able to do. They start implementing things that they weren't able to implement, uh, things like that. But getting it back to um, not just me, but for everybody out there that is uh, training to go, what I want you all to do and the task I challenge you with is if you won, if you can't find, which is, I think I said to say it again, if you can't find an opponent who had, is his first time, her first time fighting or, gra or competing in a grab match or whatever, you can't find any film on them, right? And now, and I don't, I'm not really worried about tournament formats. I'm talking about like a super match, like this is my only opponent I need to worry about. Um, same thing with uh, MMA. It's like, that's the only opponent I'm worried about boxing. The only person I'm worried about. See what type of things they do at the gym that they do fairly well, like I already said earlier. And realize how that works with your game. Do not 
take it to where you are going into a fight or grappling match and you're thinking, I need to worry about just countering what they're doing. This is a dangerous thing a lot of younger competitors get into. Is like, oh, they do this well. Let me go ahead and I'll just be on the defense and counter all the time and wait. You don't want to do that. You want to still be able to create your own offense. The thing is, you have to know what the opponent does well so you can counter it if you are in that situation. For example, if you're going against people that do a lot of single legs, you got to know how to sit there, push the head down, turn your leg out, knee to the ground, and then limp leg out, right, to escape. You have to know a lot of these these takedowns. You have to know how to, and then if they get that, they're trying to chain the steps you have to do to chain to get out of it. But it's not worried about, of course, you want to prevent it. But the overall goal is not let me, whatever I'm learning, I don't need to sit there and focus on my whole match or fight is going to be worried about countering everything that this person is doing. Um, uh, another thing is, it's like, what holes, right, does a person have in their stances that you can take advantage of? A big thing that you don't have to necessarily worry about in boxing, even though you shouldn't do it is getting square with your opponent. Because if you get square with your opponent, you're still not going to get kicked in the leg, you're still not going to get taken down, but you're going to take a lot of firepower off your punches, and it's going to be harder for you to move, to slip left or right away uh, from the punches that are coming. Um, same thing, I would assume, you know, kickboxing Muay Thai, obviously the more square you get, you have a bigger target in front of your opponent. That's also important, but you don't have to worry about things being taken down and things like that. And obviously, if you're in a grappling event or MMA, you have to worry about that. So when you're throwing punches at your opponent, right, when you're seeing them on film, see if there's a certain combination that you can throw that puts them square. If you have good takedowns, know when your time for entries are, right? If you um, see a simple thing, like, like when you're in the aspect of fighting, right, if they have a longer fight, that's... It's kind of the thing, though, too, is, right, when you try to find the, the film on the, your opponents, don't look for the short um, events to where they won by knockout real fast or they won by um, a submission real fast or whatever. See something that has that's drug them out and see the different tricks and stuff that they have and what happens when this person fatigues because your goal is obviously you want to get in and get out. But if it goes longer, what does a person do when they fatigue? What do they get really lazy on? And mixed, in the mixed martial arts aspect of it, what happens with this person's stance? One, the square is obviously bad. But do they sit there and do they change stances too much like when they throw a punch? And you can know when somebody throws a punch and then they go out of stance. And if they stay there, if they're comfortable fighting in the other stance because... Being able to punch and kick from a from southpaw to orthodox is one thing, but you need to know how to also defend just as proficiently in one stance as another stance. Now, one may be better for you, but you still need to know how to defend in it. So either way, um, look at things like that. Uh, something that like I keyed upon about my, my future opponent too is, he started fighting 
in Southpaw, I don't think my opponent is left-handed. I think he's right-handed. The issue is, and then, of course, I'm, I'm giving a lot of details out here, but it doesn't matter. Um, but the thing that I've been able to key on and looking at it is, from his earlier fights to now, is he fought in Southpaw because a lot of amateurs, when they're starting, you're worried about your power hand way too much and, you, and your power side. You're not worried about hitting thing, hitting them with anything with your weaker side because you're like, I just need to punch this person and get them out of there instead of realizing if I'm sitting there doing jabs and hooks and doing everything else, I can lead with my lead hand, I can run them into my power side and get them out of there. And then plus I won't be overexerting just one side over and over and over again where they can uh, look at defending these type of shots. But anyway, back to the point is he stayed at Southpaw and then he'd rush and then just essentially tries to throw overhand, kept trying to throw overhands from that to Southpaw stance from his lead hand, right? Didn't have much success. As he ended up progressing through his career, he had switched back orthodox to where he should have been anyway. Um, and Achilles Hill that he had, which I'm not going to get too much into, Achilles heel that he has, he decided to try to use it as his, um, to his advantage. Uh, something else that when you're doing a film study, that's what you probably want to look at too, right? If you're a bigger guy and you're not good at defending off your back, you may want to try to initiate a takedown yourself if you have good takedowns and that way, that person's on their back and you're not. And you could probably worry about holding them there. Uh, or it could be just the opposite. Maybe you don't have good takedowns, but you're really good off your back. And your opponent has suspect takedowns, but they do go for them at times. Maybe you give up the takedown to get on your back to start playing that game. Uh, but anyway, I was able to notice how he was, how like I said, he switched to orthodox and then different things that he's ended up doing that were his weaknesses that he's trying to, to use as his strength. More notably, his last contest, I noticed him did, he went back to standing in Southpaw, and then right before he threw a knockout punch on his opponent, he went Southpaw, straight to Orthodox, and then throw. So these are things that He's, he could be working out on his gym that he's setting up that I'm already checking it out in the film and being able to notice what these things are going to happen and then being able to figure out what I can and cannot do to help me alleviate potential problems. So, more or less in close, I didn't want this to be too long. It ended up being a little bit more about myself than what I actually wanted it to be. But when you um doing doing your film study... Uh, we'll just do it like this. Um, look for opponent's tendencies. Uh, depending on no matter what it is and how long they've competed, at a certain point, they're going to do the same things most of the time because that's something that they're comfortable doing. Uh, second thing is look for uh, areas that they have that you can take advantage of because you are um, better than them at it, right? Because even you looking at film, you can be honest with yourself and know if you are better than they are at certain points with certain movements. And it doesn't matter, like I said, if it's Muay Thai, boxing, MMA, or just um, 
grappling, like judo, jiu-jitsu, you know in these certain spots you you do a lot better than other people. So is it initiating a scramble? Is it getting a takedown? Is it competing off your back? Is it maintaining distance um, with either your punches or your kicks? Um, is it cage control? If it's jujitsu, is it I'm better at pulling guard? Am I better at um, controlling the gi in this certain aspect? This is part, you know, am I how good am I controlling the back, et cetera, et cetera? Those, keep those things in mind of what you want to do. And then, of course, is the final one is take notice of what they do well and know how to defend it, but not focus on that as I, the whole entire game plan that you're doing. That's the reason why I put that as the last step, because you do need to notice your opponent's tendencies, because tendencies slides straight into realizing where you can take advantage of that slides uh, way into defending things that they do well because if you focus on the things that they do well or the tendencies and then the things they do well and it where you can take advantage of you're going to be too worried about okay they throw jab cross hook or they throw double legs and then after they go from the double leg um, they switch to a single, and then they do all this. You'll be thinking the entire time in your head, they did this, based off their normal tendencies, they did this, and then they did this because they excel well at it, and then now you're like, well, how do I take advantage? Tendencies, taking advantage, but, then, but like I said, you still have to respect what the person does and know how to stop it. Because if you get if you disrupt the rhythm, because like you already know, like I said, you start off, you already know what the rhythm is, and you're doing things to stop their rhythm, to implement your own game plan, um, and then they keep going back to the same uh the things that they do well at, and you disrupt it, then you're you're right back at number two of being able to control the fight the way you want to because you've disrupted their tendencies and you're using what you have to do. Um, to control the entire fight or grappling match. So I hope this thing is helpful for you all. I know after my last podcast I did with Chance, I told you guys I was going to get back at it a whole lot more uh, based off of scheduling changes and things like that for me. But like I told you guys at the beginning, I'm in camp right now on top of my other studies and stuff I'm doing and working and family and everything else. So I am going to I know I keep saying this, but I am going to start pushing out more content. I may end up being a result of what you guys wouldn't know this, but I'll start recording multiple podcasts on days I'm free and then have them set out to issue like three or four days later after I'm doing them. Uh, that's why I'll try to make sure that they're not um, time sensitive things. But thank you guys for checking out the pod. This is how you become legendary and greatness is earned.